0: This week, we watched Overkill, the unsolved murder of John Binet found on Tubi. And we are going to spill the tea on all things forensic, all the way to the media coverage and police handling of the case that affected this murder that occurred over 25
1: years ago. So let's jump in. I'm Alyssa. I'm Erin. And And we are Crime TV. I feel like the start of this documentary, or like the title of this documentary, is the song title to a Fall Out Boy song. It's just unnecessarily long. (laughs) Keeps going. Yeah. That's probably true. It's a whole
0: sentence in itself. It is. Okay, so I'm really glad that I watched this. Because as someone who is 26 and was younger than John Bonet, I was alive, but obviously didn't know what was going on. And don't know about this case, I'm sure my opinions and the things that I take from the first documentary we did on John JonBenet and now this week, probably very differently from any of our listeners who experienced all of the news media craze and the facts around this case that have witnessed all of that firsthand. So for me, this documentary gave me a lot more clarity. I felt... Like, I really understood a lot more of what was going on.
1: Oh, yeah. In our last episode, you even said that you wish that the documentary had gone into strictly the forensics of what happened that night. This whole documentary is basically all the forensics from that night.
0: This one, I always bring up timeline because it's such a big thing for me. (laughs) Like, I love a good timeline. But this one didn't really need a timeline necessarily because most of it was like you said literally that night and the following week mm-hmm. and then there was a little bit about the media and the aftermath but really this was the forensics yeah the night it happened and the following night and the investigation by police
1: so no complaints there I guess my primary complaint is that this journalist the Lauren Schiller guy he was just kind of over the top and I think that's just the journalist way but he was just really annoying. He was, I mean, I know this is, what, a 25-year-old case, but no. he was just, he was all in your face about what he was presenting to you. And I think that's really my primary complaint in all this, is that I just didn't like this guy <laughs> As a person, as a whole, you annoy me. This was a good documentary.
0: Like, it was easy to follow. I felt like I knew what was going on. I appreciated the forensics part of it and the part where they really in detail explained what went down and why the police followed the leads and clues that they did. I always wish I had heard more about the Lou Smith guy and his case, but... In this instant, I understand that they kind of dismissed him at the time as not knowing what he was talking about. Which
1: is crazy because they, like, say his credentials that he solved 150, at least, at minimum at that point in time, murders. I know. They literally called
0: him legendary and they're like, but we're not gonna listen to him. Which,
1: it's just bullshit. Like, straight up.
0: Right. So, but I thought this documentary was done really well And I appreciated how there was an overarching theme to it, if you will. Elaborate, please. That doesn't feel like the right word. I'm gonna let you go with it, though. Okay. Well, I think that this really well portrayed how aggressive media can affect a case. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that we have had the luxury of seeing in a lot of documentaries. But the fact that this puts such a focus on how media and public perception can shape a case and what happens inevitably, I think is a really important view and story to be told. Right. Besides just the insanity that is the John JonBenet case, there was so much media involvement that I had no clue about. And it really makes me wonder how many other cases are out there that we hear about that are so sensationalized that it affects the case itself.
1: Well, that's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is that I understand that here in the U.S. we have freedom of speech, freedom of the press, all the things like that, but at what point do we have to kind of put a cap on the press whenever it's interfering with police investigation, proper prosecution. I mean, innocent until proven guilty. It's kind of ideology.
0: Yeah, I think because of the media in this case, there was so much pressure on the DA's office and the police to pin this on the parents because of false stories and stuff like that. I think it did cause the police to kind of wrongly follow some of these leads or not put pressure on a lot of the leads and in and evidence they had just because there was such a push from media. It was very good to see that side and I'm glad the documentary pushed that portion of the narrative forward to show people can happen. And I don't know, to answer your question, I don't think that's a really hard one because obviously I don't want to advocate for freedom of speech or freedom of press to be taken away. Mm-hmm. But there are, there are already limitations to that in place. I mean, hate speech is not covered by that. So I think there definitely could be room to to hold back false report. Speculations. Or maybe, maybe speculations on active cases that are still trying to be resolved. But I also think that would be a very hard line to draw. I mean, I feel like some of the other places we draw that line are much clearer. Mm-hmm and i think drawing the line at what press can and can't report on in active cases is a really hard line to draw especially because we've seen a lot of examples of media coverage sensationalization citizen input and stuff like that actually web sleuths web sleuth. sometimes we've seen that help too so
1: i don't know that's a good it, question yeah it's it's very kind of a gray area because i feel like With the media, or I guess in this case, when it's so sensationalized, whenever you have like this little perfect pageant queen little girl who's six years old and she's murdered in her own home, I think people want an answer so quick. They don't allow the investigation to happen properly and they just are quick to pin it on. Whoever makes the most sense from the public's eye. It really does an injustice to the victim, ultimately, because they don't get their justice.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I think this, too, the fact that John Bennet was so young. I think anytime there's a case involving children, people get especially fired up about it. Right. No one wants innocent children to be involved in stuff like this. I mean, not that anyone wants these kind of crimes to occur, but when it's a child and especially an innocent child, like you said, like beauty pageant, it becomes especially hard for people to understand why police are doing what they're doing or why answers haven't been presented.
1: So back on this Lawrence Schiller guy. This journalist who wrote about the John JonBenet Ramsey case in his book, was involved in the Perfect Town, Perfect Murder TV series revolving around the investigation. I felt like he did more in this documentary in presenting facts and evidence than what Agent Robert Clark did in our last episode. Yes. I, w- I was like, he's not even law enforcement. He's literally a journalist. And he, I guess, is doing the journalist thing and giving us the facts, what people want to hear. Much rather than chasing down the rabbit holes that we were misled by the last documentary. Yeah. One of the things that I found interesting, especially in um, Lawrence Schiller's discussion about that night, whenever she was missing but not found yet, is he describes when Patsy and John Ramsey were at the house. They are waiting for friends to come and one of their friends arrived. Patsy told one of her friends, and this is in a testimony... They've killed my baby. Before they even found her body, they just... She's missing and she automatically went to, they've killed my baby.
0: No, I don't agree though because I think as a parent, if your child... I mean, I'm not a parent, so I don't know why I feel that I can speak on this. Right. But like, I feel... <laughs> I do think that your mind would go to the worst possible scenario. I mean, I do that about stupid stuff. So as a parent, if like my actual literal child went missing... <laughs> I can't imagine that I would be going to, like, the absolute worst place. Yeah. mm,
1: That's such a hard one because, like, the ransom note says, like, we are taking your daughter, like, $118,000 and all that, and we'll give you a call. And, I mean, it matches the ransom note. And if you don't give us the money, then these are the things we'll do to your daughter. But they, in that, I guess, it kind of caught me off guard because she went directly to she's dead.
0: Yeah, well... And the other, the one thing that kind of relates to that, that I didn't know if it was the documentary or more of a what's going on in the case, but they didn't address what they did to rule out all of the people that were at that party. Mm -hmm. I would have thought that all, anyone at that Christmas party would have immediately been questioned, needed to provide alibi for the next morning, needed to provide alibi for like someone vouching for when they got home. I mean I would have thought that would be the very first place that detectives would have gone. Now I say that as someone who is clearly not a detective and has no training (laughs) so what do I know? As someone that's six episodes deep into
1: their podcast (laughs) career. (laughs) <laughs> this is what I think. As someone
0: who started watching true crime in, during coronavirus. But I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think the documentary could have done a better job of elaborating on did police cover that? Did police not? Did the people at the party check out? Was that an oversight on police's part for this case? And I think the documentary made such a big deal about the people being at the party, people that knew them, things like that. I think that should have been addressed.
1: What do you think was maybe the biggest injustice in this documentary that we were presented with? What do I think? Oh, Mm -hmm. goodness. Like, what is the biggest thing you have the problem with? That I have a problem with? Mm -hmm.
0: I just, I think the mishandling by police, the tampering of evidence, the moving the body, the trampling all over the house, not controlling the perimeter. And I understand they were understaffed and that was part of the problem. But one thing, and I remember talking to my... My roommate, when we were watching it, I actually paused the documentary when they said that the detective there picked up John Binet after the father brought her upstairs
1: and moved her to another place. Yes, so that'd be- you
0: you are a detective. Yeah. I don't I don't care how amateur I am. If you were an actual detective, you know not to move a body. That that's like rule number one. Is it not? Mm-hmm. Don't move a body from a crime scene.
1: I truly believe had this cross-contamination, just all over the place, cross-contamination of all the friends that were there whenever the Ramses called them to come over, the people in and out of the house... The doors not being secured to get into the house. I feel like that cross-contamination or possibility of cross-contamination was probably pretty detrimental into finding her actual killer. So, whenever John Ramsey found John Binet, he was talking about how he ripped off the duct tape, untied her and all that. And he was basically, like, checking for life. I think that's a very, like, human reaction. But so... What this documentary shed light on that the last one did not is that it's estimated that John Benet was deceased already 12 hours. Rigor mortis had set in. She would have been like picking up like a wood plank. She would have been stiff. I guess it's hard for me to put myself in John Ramsey's shoes. Yeah. Because I think that it would be very obvious that there was no possibility of life at that point and I would want to say that I would like stop what I was doing and realize but I think whenever you're in that moment it's hard to take yourself out of that moment and be rational about your actions at that point but you're right. It's one thing that he did all that as a parent, took her upstairs, so possibly to get medical services. But then it's another thing for them to move her yet again.
0: The the detective should have known better. I mean, mm-hmm. police literally have training, hopefully. Oh, you would hope. <laughs> That's a, not a conversation for this podcast, but would hopefully have training to stay calm, stay Like, you can't get hysterical if you're a police officer in cases like this. Can't do that. So they should know not to move a body. They shouldn't have any emotional attachment and response like that.
1: That one FBI agent that said, you know, well, where is she now? And he looked down and he's standing on the same rug that her body was moved to. That is just absolutely bizarre. As a detective, do better, baby.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think there were a lot of things. This is less about the documentary, I guess. um, But I think there were a lot of things that contributed to this case still not being solved. I think, like you said, evidence being messed up. And trampled through was probably one of the bigger issues. Mishandling by detectives. Being understaffed. Not checking places effectively. So,
1: we have all this cross-contamination. But then their documentary progresses into kind of the aftermath of the discovery of her body. And they tell us a little bit about how the police department wouldn't release her body to have the funeral in Georgia and for whatever reason they weren't ready to send off the body across the country. And they said that they had a theory that the police department, the Boulder Police Department, was holding John Bennet's body as ransom, which is not even an idea that I want to entertain because that's so I wish far fetched.
0: I wish you guys could see my facial expression right now.
1: It is much confusion from you.
0: The downside of a podcast. You can't see the look I'm giving Alyssa. <laughs>
1: furrowed eyebrows squinty eyes open mouth just confusion what yeah but that's not even an idea that i want to entertain yeah no But I would like to make the comment that I agree with Schiller whenever he says in regards to the Ramseys hiring their criminal defense attorney. He worked, John Ramsey worked as a CEO of an umbrella company with Lockheed Martin. So the man makes bukus. I mean, his Christmas bonus was $118,000. The man was wealthy. And And that was back in '90. 96. 96, yeah. As someone who's sophisticated, educated, and has the financial means to do so, I think if the media was painting me to be the criminal, I would hire a criminal defense attorney real fast. Yeah. To protect myself. So the media portraying them as even bigger monsters because like, ooh, they're admitting guilt because they're hiring a criminal defense attorney. No, you're covering your own hide. Yeah. Because...
0: Well, they were being looked at and treated like full-blown suspects by the DA's office and the police at the time, so why wouldn't they do what they needed to protect them? Yes, 20 years later, looking at the case, we might look and say, well, why would they do that? But I think that's where this documentary comes in. Part of the reason they did that is because the media was... had torches and pitchforks out at them. Yeah.
1: They wanted to put... Pin this murder on somebody. I mean, there
0: was an actual trial with a grand jury to decide if they could
1: be put charged? charges yeah. on
0: them. Of course they have a criminal lawyer. So, they were getting charged with stuff or try- attempting to be
1: charged with stuff. So, yeah, makes sense. Right. I, I don't blame them at all. That that's Probably if, if I was a wealthy person. I'm two-thirds of a triple threat of the Ramses, Educated, sophisticated, but not having the financial means hire a criminal defense attorney as well yeah without a doubt definitely I think the moral of the story for me in this is that I hate bad journalists. it's
0: a good one that's a
1: good story to take I wanted to be a journalist when I was a wee little lass but my fifth grade teacher she told us a story about she graduated with her journalism degree and on her first case another journalist sideswiped her car in order to get a parking spot at whatever scene that they were reporting on and it was all doggy dog on scene and she's like, Yeah, I think I wanna teach instead. <laughs> and I think that I probably would have pursued a career in journalism had that not always been like a core memory for me in regards to journalism. Like, I don't want someone to side-swipe my Toyota Camry in the parking <laughs>
0: lot. <laughs> Fair enough. That's good enough reason. Okay, so how many cups of tea are you giving this documentary, Alyssa? If you're not ready, I know my rating.
1: You go first. I, I'm trying to calculate. I'm in between two numbers.
0: Okay, I'm going to give this four cups of tea. I think overall this is a very good documentary. I think it was presented for the most part well. I'm going to go out on a limb and say there is no perfect documentary. I might eat my words in a few episodes. I don't know. but I hope you do. As of right now, there is no perfect documentary, but I would say this one does a pretty dang good job.
1: I'm going to go, hmm, I'm going to say three and a half, maybe 3.75. All right. Are our stars
0: that fancy? Are you allowed (laughs) to do that?
1: I'm going to give it a three quarter of a star. Three Um, and
0: three eighths star.
1: I just, (laughs) I feel like it was a good documentary overall. I feel a little bit above neutral about it, but I just don't love it, love it. Okay. And I think that goes back to me just, like, wanting closure. That's fair. I just feel like um, that's always something that's going to, like, downgrade a documentary for me. Do I have closure? Do I have everything that I need to feel good walking away from this?
0: Okay. That's that's a good reason. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. What actual tea are you drinking
1: today, Alyssa? i am drinking the yogi detox tea you and your detox tea man. i know it's me getting rid of all the sin
0: <laughs> sure sure we all <laughs> gotta do that once a week i don't i'm perfect
1: erin i've known you for a, a a few years now have you yeah you have actually yeah we've been friends since 2019 oh cute okay not
0: what <laughs> we're doing here today Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I am drinking a lemon and ginger herbal tea. Does tea expire? I'm pretty sure, because I'm pretty sure this tea is expired.
1: I don't work for the FDA, so.
0: Oh, rough life. Because I'm pretty sure this is expired because it still has Emma Watson's Beauty and the Beast on the packaging. It was like when that movie came out. And that movie's been out for longer than I should be comfortable drinking their tea. I'm pretty
1: sure. Your tea is a tale as old as time
0: oh i hate you beauty and the beast <laughs> i hate you i hate you but you're right uh so yeah i'm pretty sure this is expired tastes the same to me well, I don't know. i put honey in it maybe that's masking the mold
1: <laughs> i'm gonna say if aaron does not make it to the next episode Due to do an, epi- do an episode in my honor. Actually, you'll probably be a sus-
0: suspect. They're going to make did Alyssa poison her.
1: I'm here to establish an alibi.
0: <laughs> you can't establish an alibi at the crime scene. Your roommate's here. We'll just ask them. He, did- he didn't know what's going on. Well, anywho, I'm not going to self-incriminate today. You've already lost credibility. You just tried to say <sighs> your alibi was going to be the crime scene. Nancy Grace, I don't need your shit right now.
1: <laughs> Get off me. it's been a long day so detective steve thomas is an absolute dick and i say that with full confidence you sounded really confident you did so he does that press conference where he makes all these speculations about the family and like paints his whole picture about how it was john benet wetting the bed her mom getting mad like smashing her head into the bathtub and then Patsy getting rid of the body writing a ransom note like paints this whole elaborate picture And I think that just further drives that media speculation not giving the family a fair chance at a potential trial. Yeah. Because I think as a law enforcement officer, whatever you say to the people they take as truth, whether you give a disclaimer of this isn't just my theory, because he did. He said, this is my theory. This is what I think happened. But as your regular people that don't have any kind of law enforcement or crime knowledge, they're probably going to take whatever you say at a press conference as the truth.
0: Yeah, well, because I think there's an expectation that an officer involved in the investigation has information that the public doesn't have. So if that's what his theory is, I think most people would reasonably assume that there is extra details or evidence not known to the public that points in that direction and it
1: did it did definitely fuel it it just kind of further creates this narrative for the people to take as truth rather than speculation about the case and just again furthers that idea that the Ramses did it but i guess as the documentary progresses detective steve thomas continues to talk so i think in that case he probably just needed to direct them to a public information officer with a police department who's got a little bit more training than the B team status that that forensic psychologist gave them in the documentary.
0: Well, I got confused. The documentary confused me a bit with that because by the end of it it made it seem like Tom that de- that detective Thomas was was like one of the good guys, like he had quit the force over this saying that like the police weren't looking in the right direction and all this. And it, the documentary did kind of by the end of it, try and paint him as like a good guy who like quit in the name of this case because it wasn't getting solved. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at the beginning, he was like the same one going after the family. So I didn't, I didn't understand that. Am I just dumb? Did I miss something?
1: <laughs> well, one of the comments that was made in the documentary that I've kind of got a little bit of an issue with is that they said that in 1998, police officers that were involved in the case started taking just normal vacation time, taking their kids to Disney World or to the beach or whatever, just normal vacation time, and he was upset by that. Detective Thomas was upset by them taking PTO, but we have to remember that these investigators, these detectives, they have these cases, but they're also people that deserve their time off, they deserve to relax, I mean, they're public servants, but... They're not for us to just drive into the ground. They have basic human needs like you or I. Yeah. So I feel like that maybe was not a justifiable reason no. for him to be upset. Well, and I think there
0: was a lot in this documentary about the police and DA's office going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that kind of pulled away from the ca- John Monet's case and the media and talking about the media and how it affected this case. And I think some it was almost like a side story in there that maybe I think was helpful in a sense to kind of know context of the situation and what was going on around this case as it was trying to be solved. But I think they dwelled on it a little too much. There was a lot of like legal process that I don't know about and I don't think the average viewer would know about. Like, I don't know whose responsibility it is to indict who and talk to who and why is the DA's office even getting involved. Like, there was just a lot that wasn't super pertinent.
1: Just for the average show.
0: Yeah. This whole documentary just made me really believe that a lot of what happened in this case and the reason it's still unsolved is just mistake after mistake by investigators. Mm -hmm. And there was this really brought to light this whole other war between the DA and the police that kind of took away from the case and made it harder to really do the job of police in an investigation because they were having to fight the DA for everything.
1: So I feel like we've kind of been hard hitting on the John JonBenet Ramsey case for two weeks now. I'm ready to wrap it up, Erin. What, after all of the documentaries that we've watched, the research that we've done, the discussions we've had, what is your theory on what happened? What do you speculate? Oh, that's really tough because... It, give me your 30 second, just brief summary of what you think happened.
0: It's going to be longer than 30 seconds.
1: Okay, I'll give you I, a minute.
0: Uh, there was just so much to this. <laughs> ah! There's was so... it Intruder?
1: Was it Mom and Dad? Was it Burke? Was it another person? I mean, okay,
0: definitely not Burke. I didn't get that sense at all. Hey,
1: that's what a lot of people of the internet think it is.
0: Really? Yeah. They must have information that I do not have.
1: Not that we've been presented this far.
0: Because I did not see anything that would lead to that. Mm -mm. I don't think it was the dad. The mom is a little bit hard for me to just say I don't think she did it. I don't... I don't think a parent could do that. I've heard about some crappy parents. But I, I... I don't know that a parent could do that and as I sit here and say that we just covered Chris Watts so like a parent could do that right it's just
1: so hard to believe I think that maybe John and Patsy Ramsey are a little bit different because in their investigation there's never been like alcoholism drug use you know any type of just maybe character flaws whereas. Chris Watts obviously had another girlfriend and kind of some character flaws there, but...
0: Well, maybe, and maybe that's why it's less believable whether or not it's the truth. Maybe that's why it's so hard for me to wrap my head around, like, the fact. But there's a lot of stuff that points to her, I have to be honest. Mm. For whatever reason, maybe it was an accident and she then felt like she had to try and cover it up. And maybe that the whole thing was just a huge accident that got out of hand. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll never know. But I do think it's suspicious that the the ransom note handwriting was a partial match for her. I do think it's suspicious that there the claims of there not being any pineapple involved yet. There's a bowl of pineapple in the kitchen with her and Burke's fingerprints on it. And I think as mentioned in the documentary, that bowl of pineapple and the fact that John Bene had pineapple in her stomach are two, like, of the only, like, solid, solid connections. And they fingerprinted that bowl, and it was literally just Patsy and Burke. So it's really hard to ignore that particular piece of evidence. And that's one of the only things we have to go on. Right. So I there's a part of me that kind of thinks Patsy might have done it. And we'll never know because she tragically passed away of cancer in 2006 but but i don't know who am i to speculate that's just that's just kind of what you're leaning towards yeah and i'm just so on the fence about this case really
1: i'm with lou smith on this case i am more inclined to think that it was an intruder and a kidnapping gone bad for whatever reason i don't know how a kidnapping led to murder but it did in my opinion but i don't really think that it was burke Patsy or John uh, or anybody uh, that they were close with. I'm I'm leaning more towards an intruder.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think I think there was there was just also evidence that would point to an intruder.
1: It, everybody. Everybody. Everybody's guilty. It,
0: it's just everyone's fault.
1: <laughs> it's your fault. Your fault. Your fault.
0: Like Handon I yeah. There was just so much contradicting evidence. This yeah. one really is a head scratcher. I hope that I can see why it has maintained its status. Over 20 years.
1: I hope that whenever we get to the afterlife or whatever you believe in, I hope that I can run up to somebody and be like, all right, spill it. Who killed John JonBenet Ramsey? And then there will be a being in the other side of this world that tells me everything. That gives me all the answers to all the missing persons. Gives me the answers to John JonBenet.
0: You're like, Jesus, I don't want to know the meaning of life. Don't tell me not important.
1: Right. Who... Who killed John Bonet? <laughs> I'm gonna come up there with like my file folder of everything and just be like, all right, I've got a lot of questions, so I'm gonna just sit down. Okay.
0: Uh, okay, yeah, so that's where we're at. Join us next week for. I have the title, where did it go? Join us next week for an episode of Dateline. Woo! we are going to be covering the woman with no name it is season 29 episode 39 you can find it on peacock for free yes peacock is completely free you just make an account and then you can find all these episodes of dateline and also now you know about peacock shout out to peacock
1: hashtag peacock Erin and I are so thrilled to be discussing this Dateline episode with you because it's actually a local case for us. It is! It happened about 45 minutes down the road from us, right where we're sitting right now. Yeah, and not
0: only that, but it had, it's had recent developments in the past year, mm-hmm. which is why it kind of comes up again. Really fascinating case. We're super excited to be able to share this with you, and so... Join us next week, Monday, 4 a.m. Central Standard Time, as usual. Reach out to us on this case, on your theories, on your thoughts about John Binet. If you have them, please share with us. You can find us on Instagram at Crime T E A B. You can send us an email at tv at gmail.com, T E A V.
1: You can find us on TikTok. Woo! Crime TV, the spelling. On Facebook, we now have a Facebook page. We want to reach out to you however we can. So find us, beep us if you want to reach us. See you guys next week.